Need a gift idea for the outdoor adventure in your life? Shop the Allbirds Mizzle Collection, made with water-repellent puddle guard technology and ZQ-certified merino wool with a low environmental impact. It's a natural fit for winter runs. And Allbirds offsets the carbon footprint to make their Mizzle Collection carbon neutral, so you can take comfort in treading lighter. Get on their nice list this year with the Allbirds Mizzle Collection. Discover your perfect pair at allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Hey, what is going on, everyone, and welcome to episode three of The Searchcast. I am your host, Zach Martin, and today I am flying solo, but it's all right because we've got some awesome fan questions later on in the show, and we got some Hurricane Saki to talk about from the, from the last week, and we got a previewing the Pennsylvania road trip that the Hurricanes are going to be on starting tomorrow. But before I get to all of that, I want to take a special shout-out to the sponsor of the podcast, Primo X Hockey. If you guys see any great hockey equipment and or apparel, make sure to check out Primo Hockey at PrimoXHockey.com. You can find shirts, hats, hoodies. They actually just got some new hats, and they are pretty nice. You need to check those out as well. And they also have great hockey equipment if you need you know, stick guards, you need tape, you need string, any type of stuff like that. Laces, they have you covered. So make sure to check out PrimoXHockey.com. And if you go to our Twitter and go check out our link tree, the search cast. You'll click on that link for Primax Hockey and click on that. I'll go right to their website and you can check out all their amazing gear. Great group of guys, and they are based in Raleigh. So support local business and support Raleigh businesses, especially in the triangle at Primo X Hockey. So it's been an interesting week for the Hurricanes, uh, to say the least. They did play the Florida Panthers. Uh, back on, earlier this week, and unfortunately, it's just, I don't know, it's one of those things where, for whatever reason, the Panthers just somehow find a way to squeak past the Hurricanes, and the last meeting of the season goes to the Panthers after they beat them in regulation and in overtime, so this is the second overtime that the Panthers have beaten the Hurricanes in, so out of the three games, the Hurricanes have only managed two points, and Luckily, they're not in the same division, but it's definitely going to be a tough hill to climb when you're talking about playoff hockey, especially in the fact that this everyone's saying this might be an Eastern Conference final matchup between the two teams because of how good these two teams are. Yeah, you still got Tampa Bay. You can maybe say the Toronto Maple Leafs if Toronto ever gets out of their own way, but it seems like it's a three-team race in the East between Tampa, Florida and Carolina. Some people could say the Rangers, maybe some say the Penguins, but as of right now, it's kind of clear who the top three in the East are, and they're all from the former Southeast division. So it's definitely going to make things interesting come playoff time when these, you know, when these two teams match up, which is most likely, like I said, going to be the Eastern Conference final. Diving into the game, it looked like Carolina was going to be hopefully the ones to control, but if you look at the shots on goal wise, it didn't really seem that way because Carolina only had 18 shots on goal that entire game, which 
If you're going up against a team like Florida, you really need to do more than that because that is it's it's tough to do anything with 18 shots a goal. Luckily, they did get two goals in the game, but when you're giving up 31 to the Panthers and you're also losing in the faceoff percentage because the Panthers had 57%, Carolina had 43, you definitely need more than just 18 shots in goal. Luckily, though, the penalty kill, as always, still the best in the league because they went oh. They went five for five that night against the Florida Panthers. 12 penalty minutes, killed every single power play off. So that's really good to see that even with the adversity the Hurricanes put themselves in for a good majority of that game, where they had to kill off five, you know, five power plays, that is really, really huge for the fact that they stopped every single one of them. Uh, Panthers did out, out hit the Hurricanes 34 to 28. Um, like I said, the faceoff percentage, 57 to 43 for the Panthers as well. So it seemed like on paper, the Panthers were all over the Hurricanes. But Carolina, what did you know? They did get a lead early, you know, at the, well, not early, but in the first period at the 1914 mark, Tavo Teravina did score his 12th of the season, um, which was amazing to see. You know, it was just a great spinorama shot. Fantastic job by Tavo. A great assist by Ajo and Slavin. Um, that was Ajo's 28th and Slavin's 20 fourth of the game but pretty much the entire first period it was a lot of physicality a lot of missed calls that led to cheap shot hits that led to other hits that the other team didn't like and a couple brouhaha's especially for the fact that Owen Tippett you know clipped Andre Svechnikov from behind uh, when Svechnikov didn't even have the puck <laughs> Owen Tippett hits him and then knocks him in the ground and that's a no call I don't know how you missed that that was a, a blatant interference and it was just a dangerous play because you saw how Svechikov fell. That was not a good hit at all. And then Svechikov threw a hit on Sam Bennett, which for me, it definitely looked like it was one where Bennett did turn his back at the last second and Svechikov just caught him at the wrong time. I don't think he meant to hurt him because Svechikov is not that type of guy to hurt someone. It was just an unfortunate circumstance. But, you know, it's Sam Bennett and the Panthers. They took exception to it because then later on in the period, you know, I don't know why Hornquist of <laughs> – the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen, the fact that it was Rasko Gudis and Hornquist at the same time, both took a run at Sveshnikov, and Hornquist hits him dead in the back, didn't even have the puck, and basically almost sent him face first into the like the door that was wide open on the bench. That could have been a really bad situation. And then after all that was going on, then you get you know Lomberg, who... He's easily becoming one of the most least like liked people in Carolina for the fact of how he plays. He like went after one of our one of our players and basically started another scrum when he was basically almost died down. So it's just the, the Panthers for whatever reason just they they act like Carolina started at first, but they really didn't. Owen Tippett started it. Refs didn't call it, and then Sveshikov just threw a hit that was just at the wrong time, unfortunately. And it's just one of those things where it could have been prevented really early on. But you say you got a lot of penalties, you got a lot of, you know, pushing and shoving, a lot of late hits. And that would basically was a really scrappy first period. It makes you think that it's like the, it's the Panthers and the Bruins are the two teams that Carolina is always, it's going to be like the bad blood series between these two teams at all times. And it's something to keep an eye on for sure, because we all know how Carolina and Boston plays against each other. It seems like Florida and Carolina, for the fact that both these teams are good at the same time, which is hasn't really been very much. It hasn't happened very much. Even back in the old Southeast Division, Florida was never really good. Carolina was good. 
for the most part, and even when Carolina didn't really make the playoffs for that good 10-year stretch where they didn't, it didn't seem like Florida really could get out of their own way either. So it's like you're kind of seeing the Panthers and the Hurricanes being good at the same time, and you're seeing what we all kind of wish that the Southeast Division was when it was formed, when you had Washington, Atlanta, Carolina, Florida, and Tampa, where it's like all the teams are good all at the same time, and they all hate each other, or you had a good a good combo of two or three that were really good. It's just unfortunate it's not what it is, and not all in the same division, but it's still – good to see that we're finally getting some of that southeast rivalry bad blood hockey that we kind of all were kind of expecting to see when they had the southeast division back in the day but it's definitely going to make things interesting when you see the panthers and the kings play each other more like i said unfortunately the panthers do have an advantage on the hurricanes in in the regular season pretty much the only team right now that did give carolina trouble in every single game the fact that carolina didn't win any of those other win those games as well uh, going back to you know scoring and opportunities and stuff like that, uh, Alexander Barkov did score at the 1309 mark of the second period, made a 1-1. He got assists from Huberdeau and Ekblad. And then in the third period, Tony D'Angelo scored the 313 mark, put Carolina up 2-1. And you think for the good part of that game, all right, the team's looking good. You know, they're keeping pucks out of that. Freddie Anderson's playing out of his mind. It seems like Carolina's on her way to finally, you know, winning on national television, get, breaking that curse, beating Florida again that win this year. And unfortunately, it's just an extra man opportunity for the Panthers. And Sam Reinhart was at the right place at the right time, unfortunately, for the Hurricanes. And he scored at 19-11 to tie the game. It's it's definitely a backbreaker because of the fact that you – they pull the goalie. You know, Freddie Anderson's playing well all night. After the Barkov goal in the second period, which Barkov's goal – you really can't Brady. You can't blame Brady Shea or Freddie Anderson for that because Barkov just absolutely just did ridiculous toe drags, did all those moves again around Brady Shea, and then just backhanded it. it Freddie Anderson did put a pad on it, so he did stop it. It's just unfortunate didn't catch enough of it, and it went into the goal through the five hole. It is what it is. You really nothing you can do about that, but it it was just a goal that you know Barkov scored and. You know, made a one win early in the game, and then going back to Reinhardt, it's it was just unfortunate timing. It's just six on five killed the Kings, and you know we'll talk about that later on when we recap. You know, the last you know <laughs> the game you know that Carolina faced against the Predators last night, where it seemed like six and five was really a, an issue for them as well. I guess, but we'll get to that when we get to the you know review of the Nashville game. But it's definitely, it's it, it was, you know, it's a backbreaker. And then at the 16-second mark, Aaron Ekblad scored in overtime. Just, you know, the saucer pass by Huberto caught Ekblad all alone. And just another goal that Freddie Anderson caught a piece off, but couldn't get all of it. And that went in and ended the game, unfortunately, early. And, and Florida wins another overtime game against Carolina, which it stinks and it's, it is what it is, man. There's some games that are just backbreaking. And this is another one that was against Florida because, you know, Anthony Duclair did it earlier this year, and now Aaron Eckblad did it. And you really can't blame Freddie for any of these goals. He's got pieces of him. It's just unfortunately just ridiculous plays you would never really see very much of. Just uh, worked out for the Panthers in their favor. So not much you can really do about that. I do have to give TNT a little bit of, of flack though for the fact that why would you you're going into overtime between the top two teams basically in their divisions 
Carolina leading the Metro, Florida's leading the Atlantic. You would think you would go right back into that because you know it's going to be electric for the fact that you're going into a playoff. You're going into an overtime where the two best teams are tied two to two, and you go split screen because you wanted to show Jack Eichel's debut in Vegas, which. In hindsight, he didn't do anything in that game. He didn't score. He didn't do anything. He didn't get a point. So it's like, why couldn't you have just waited five extra minutes just to go to that game? But no, you had to do side-by-side. And Ekblad scores it in the middle of their split screen as they're going right back to the game. Ekblad scores. So it's like you kind of just ruined – I mean, the Hurricanes didn't win, but it's like you kind of ruined that whole game because you ruined the back end of that where it was – you know, it was a gut. It was a gut wrenching game for the Hurricanes and the Hurricanes fans, but it's kind of like, it's kind of also disrespectful. I'm not. It's kind of disrespectful to the Panthers fans. I'm not sticking up for them or anything, but it's like that's so disrespectful to both of these teams on national television, where you're the two. Like I said, you're the two best teams, and you get split screened, and you miss the game winning goal because you're here on the commentary of that game. It's just TNT. You got to be better than that. I know you're a little bit better than ESPN, but at the same time, right now, it's like. That is not how you do it. it. I understand how big this contract is for the NHL over the fact that they got TNT and ESPN to televise their games, but it sometimes almost makes you miss NBC and the fact of, of NHL TV too because with NHL TV, at least you get the game. You don't get interruptions. You get split screens and all that. Unless you're on national television, it is what it is, but it's still so tough. That even though NBC did have their moments, at least they understood how to do these games right. And for whatever reason, it just seems like TNT and ESPN find ways to keep messing themselves up. And it, like I said, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. It's their first year. They're getting through the kinks of it, but they got to get better with this. You can't have stuff like that. So hopefully they get a little bit better later on. Uh, going through the stats real quick of that game, Jordan Stahl. Did get an assist in that game, but was minus one through five hits. Um, base off percentage was only 37%, so you really hope to see that more out of the captain and a guy who's usually pretty good in the face-offs. Only 37%, that is pretty tough to see. Uh, Sebastian Ajo got an assist in that game as long as the Nito Nito Rider. Ajo was only 25% on his face-offs, but Nito Rider was 50%. Uh, Vinny Trocek was 48% on the face-offs as well in that game. Tampa Teravina with the goal. Did get a point. Was also minus one in that game. Tony D'Angelo did get a goal. And Jacob Slavin uh, got an assist. And Jacob Slavin with 23-29 of ice time. I mean, that second C in Jacob is clutch because for the fact of how clutch this guy is, and the fact that that's why you love to have him in Carolina for the fact that he doesn't put up a lot of points, but he's that guy who's always shut down, who always locks stuff down for the fact that he did 23 minutes and 29 seconds of ice time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Sign up today and find out why nothing beats a win at the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app 
or go to betmgm.com and enter code CHAMPION and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Take care of your property with equipment you can count on, like the Kubota BX and LO1 Series compact tractors, part of our under 100 horsepower tractor lineup, rated number one for reliability, and Z-Series mowers and sidekick utility vehicles, where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Visit GoKubota.com for a dealer near you. And the fact of how good he is on the penalty kill and just everything else he does, it's it's pretty remarkable. It's really great to see out of Dickinson because even on a shorthanded time, four minutes and 19 seconds of, of penalty kill time. Brett Pesci at 319 and Brady Shea at 349. So those three guys put in minutes, minutes for the Hurricanes. Uh, in the on the penalty kill that was like i said five for five can't beat that uh unfortunately freddie anderson uh you know 28 save 28 shots out of 31 attempts still got a 900 save percentage but that's because of the fact that you know stopping 30 you have 31 shots and you're stopping pretty much 28 and that's still pretty good and like i said five for five on the power play not bad at all stopped five shots on the power play uh time on ice i know for a goal he played the entire game 16 minutes and 16 seconds. So now moving on to the Nashville game, which was this game was absolute bonkers. Ah, unfortunately, I missed this game because I was at work, so I did catch a lot of the highlights and, and was caught up on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you to all the, uh, my Hurricanes mutuals that basically live tweet these games, or basically shout out to Walt <laughs> for just being on top of what he does, and it's great to have him in Carolina. So it's just. Thank you to everyone who kept up with this game and, you know, highlights, tweets, all that good stuff. So I appreciate all of you who kept me informed in on this game because I basically got home. I was in the middle of getting home from work because I had to work late as the game was ending. So thank you. Thank you to everyone who kept up with that as well and keeping everyone updated as the game was going on. So for, you know, the game against the Predators, the Carolina Hurricanes did win five to three, which is amazing. That's you know, it's good to see the team back on the win column. You know, they have been struggling as of late. It's it's good to see that they were able to, you know, fight the the losing streak that they were kind of on. It, it, they would dig a one, two, and two in the last few games, but it's good to see them finally back on the win column. Um, Nashville did not shoot the Hurricanes 31 to 30, but the Hurricanes did get 54% of their faceoffs, and they went two four on the power play, which is what you love to see. You want to see your you want to see your power play unit play really well. You want to see the special teams do what they need to do, night in and night out. The power play has been kind of they're still top ten, but it's still kind of like there's some moments of the power play where you want them see them do better. But at the same time, that's kind of rough to see when it's like when they do struggle, they struggle massively. So it's a nice change to see that when they are on, they are able to score goals. So the fact they got two out of four is amazing to see. And for the fact they're talking about 
how good the special teams are. I mean, the PK, man, 0 for 3 against the Panthers last night. 0 for 3 in the last two games. 8 for 8. 8 for 8 on the penalty kill. Amazing, because the Prairies went 0 for 3. And Florida went 0 for 5. Like, if you're going 8 for 8, it's just amazing. Like, imagine... I, I want to know what the streak would. I wonder what the streak would be at if the Hurricanes didn't, you know, lose it earlier, like a few weeks ago. Where that penalty kill streak would be at, because the Hurricanes' penalty kill has been absolutely lights out. It's almost every time you see the team go on the disadvantage, it's almost like you automatically know that this team is going to be lights out, and it's just fantastic to see. It's amazing the fact that the Hurricanes are able to put fans at ease when it comes to the PK to the fact that, okay, this team, if they do give up one, it's one every so often, not one almost every night. That's how lights out this PK unit is. So massive shout outs and stick taps to those guys. Cause wow, <laughs> this PK unit is insane. So go to the scoring of this game. Brady Shea, the year of the Shea, that is 2022. This dude has been in, just ridiculous in the goal in the goal tallies. Like doesn't you don't you don't you don't think of Brady Shea as a scorer. Like he does score goals, but not at the rate that he's been on since 2022 started. He scored his seventh goal of the season. I bet you probably this is like the sixth. <laughs> Just in the calendar year of 2022 alone. Came in at the 1024 mark, an amazing goal from him, and a great assist by Nietzsche and Vincent Trocheck, which would be Nietzsche's 17th and Trocheck's 20th. Second period. I mean, just Barry Cockney gets his tenth of the season at the five fourteen mark. Carolina goes up two nothing, and then Marty Nietzsche, you know, gets another assist. Bergesha get, gets an assist as well. But the fact that Jerry Cockney as a fourth line player has ten goals, it's just great to see. And the fact that it's so it's so funny when you keep seeing people from the Athletic. Or people around hockey be like, oh, Carolina doesn't have any scoring depth. In the day they say that the Hurricanes don't have score depth, Jesper Kakaniemi scores. Jacob Slavin scores. Bray Shea scores. Slavin's not much of a goal scorer. Bray Shea isn't really much of a goal scorer. And their defensemen scoring goals. Like Carolina is probably the best blue line group when it comes to scoring goals in the hockey league in, in the NHL right now. But the fact that you have Josh Barry Kakanemi, who's really good right now with the Hurricanes, scoring his 10th goal of the season. So don't come out, don't tell me that we don't have depth scoring. Yeah, some nights maybe it's not as prominent, but don't act like the Hurricanes don't have it. Like you're talking you're talking with other teams in the league like Arizona, who doesn't have any scoring. Montreal has no scoring. Yeah, maybe they've kind of turned on a little bit now since they got Maurice Saint Louis as their. Uh, head coach, but you're still talking about the team who has Co Caulfield under five goals. So don't tell me that the that the Hurricanes don't have depth scoring. You're not Toronto, where Toronto is top heavy with a top six, but like no one in the bottom nine. Like I, I really would like for certain people the Athletic and they know who they are because Hurricanes fans tell them all the time that this take is dumb that they need to stop talking about Carolina not having depth scoring because um, they do all across the board. Martinick scores. Foss scores. 
uh, let's see, Seth Jarvis scores. Nino scores, and Nino is on the third pair. Steve Lor- Steven- Steven Lorenz even scores. Vincent Trocek scores. Like, almost everyone across the board scores goals for this team. Look at the defense. They pretty much all score. So don't – I don't want to hear any of this nonsense where, oh, well, the Hurricanes don't have depth scoring because that's a lie because they certainly do. So it's awesome to see just Barry just playing really well. And I'm hoping, hoping that the Hurricanes do sign him to an extension because the fact that you have the second overall and the third overall players in the same draft on the same team together is amazing. The fact that Caroline got cock in the MBI, they're paying him 6.1 million because that's his offer sheet, which I know they'll probably take care of in the offseason because Donald Dell says that they want to keep just Barry here. Imagine him on a team later on down the road where he's not a fourth line center, where you're looking at him being a second line center at some point. Because yeah, he can play wing, but they've really been liking him at center because he's been playing well there. So I could see him at some point becoming a second line center, or if they really want to, they could put him back on the wing, but put him on a second line wing spot. It all really depends on what the Carolina wants to do, but I can definitely see him at some point being that guy behind Sebastian Ajo at the center spot. So, fantastic job, uh, you know, KK. Uh, Panthers do, you know, they get within 2-1 off Luke Kunin, but then Jacob Slavin, like I said, the second C stands for clutch, and this dude at 1959 with a second left into the period scores it, which... The goal itself was amazing. It's if you haven't seen it, you need to watch it because it was an amazing goal. And for the fact that he did it with a second left is just it's so good. And it's so great to see for the fact that that's why you never give up on plays. And Jacob Slavin didn't. He scored his third of the season. Andres Fetchikov gets his 25th assist, and Sebastian Ajo gets his 29th. And Carolina goes up 3-1 into the third period. And then in the third period at 6.43, Andrei Shvechnikov scores a power play goal at the 6.43 mark. He his 21st of the season. Andrei Shvechnikov this year has been absolutely insane for the Hurricanes. Like... And I talked about this with Brad from the Storm Cellar a couple weeks back on the first episode of the show that Andrei Svechikov has gotten to a point now where he's playing that 200-foot game that we were all hoping to see when the Hurricanes first drafted him. He was definitely more so offensively minded, kind of played defense somewhat through the body, but didn't really do much other than mostly it was offense. It seems like this year he has kicked into a whole nother gear where it's He's playing 200-foot hockey. He's playing astound- amazing defense where sticks in the right place, poke, intercepting passes, throwing the body, throwing re- reverse checks, which is making everyone just drop their draws, like drop their jaws in awe because of just how huge these reverse checks are and the fact that he's <laughs> he's upsetting these guys for the fact that <laughs> for the fact that they, that they go after him now or like they get upset when Sveshikov throws a hit because the way, like, yeah, he does take dumb penalties, but at the same time, you have to appreciate the checks and the reverse checks that he's throwing on guys. 
because it is making people in the league make them realize, okay, maybe Andre Svechnikov is not the guy to mess with because he'll score, he'll play defense, and he'll hit, he'll throw the body on you. And for the fact of that Vancouver game, I'm still I, I still revert back to that game because the fact that he threw like he like pirouetted off a check and still is able to keep the play going to where Marty Nietzsche does score on his birthday. That's how amazing that goal was, and that's how good he's been this year. And for the fact that he's got 21 goals in the season right now is amazing to see. At this point, he does score later on in this game, so he does have 22 after last night. But where Andrei Svechikov is right now, and for the fact that Carolina just re-signed him to, for eight more seasons, is it's going to be so much fun. Now, when they re-sign Sebastian Ajo for a longer deal, when they get Jesper Kakaniemi signed on a long-term contract, keep Tabo, get Seth Jarvis later on uh, once he's passes the ELC, the defense that we're going to have, hopefully figure out what we're going to do with Freddie Anderson, this Hurricanes team, this window could probably be open for a cup run for another five, six seasons, as long as Don Doug keeps doing what he's doing, which it's been working really well. Top to bottom, this team is amazing. It's not just, oh, here's your first line, second line, third line, fourth line. It's just a rotation of an onslaught that the Hurricanes have. A sounding defense that is structured and suffocates teams, and they will just beat you up and wear you down, and then they will use that speed on the, to make you keep up with them. It's almost like the 2006 team where it was speed, speed, and speed because that's what the league was when they came back from the lockout. It was more of a speed league. It's like the 2006 team with the speed, but now you're adding all this physicality that this and the structure that this, that this defense has. It's like it's someone like like shot the 2016 with adrenaline and made the 2022 team, this 21-22 Hurricanes team. It is so 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 fun to watch. So. I'm so glad we have Andre Svechikov for eight more years. And if we get everyone else re-signed and figure out deals and move players around and figure out the and figure out the cap space, this team could be dangerous for a good long time. Now, before we get to the back end of this game, we do I mentioned in the Florida game, extra man hurt the hurricanes in that game. This one almost did the exact same thing because the Hurricanes are up 4-1 after Svechikov's goal. The Panthers pulled their goalie three times. I think, no, three or four times in this game. Four times. And three of those were five-on-fives. Because the fact that Hurricanes were up, they pulled their goalie with like five, six minutes left in the game. Philip Forsberg scores at the 1437 mark to make it 4-2 Carolina. They're like, all right, that stings. Nashville had an extra man. Kind of what Florida did, they scored. They pulled their goalie again, and Tanner Janot <laughs> makes it 4-3 Carolina at 1749. Now you're talking two, two extra man goals. Um, then it really makes you nervous because now that's three, three extra man goals in two games. And you had two in the last like six minutes of the game. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. I'm sorry, you don't do that. Like, I know it's kind of tough when you have an extra attacker and getting empty net goals aren't easy. I understand that. But at the same time, you don't give up extra man goals, especially two in a span of like not even three minutes. You go from 4-1 to 4-3. Sorry, that's playing with fire, and that's not a fire you want, especially when it's the National Predators. And you're up 4-1 against them. Now it's 4-3. Um, that's a scary thing to see when you're trying to lock up a win and the the other team scores two goals in that span of time with a six attacker on the ice. So basically that really, that made it really interesting. That really made you like, it was almost squeaky bum time for the hurricanes at that point, because you were up four one. Now it's four three. Nashville is absolutely buzzing right now because now they've in fact they've gotten two goals at the fourteen thirty seven mark and the seventeen forty nine mark, and they're within one. And now they pull their goalie for a third time. It didn't really work out because then the Hurricanes, you know, then it just it, you know, special teams had to come into play and stuff like that. So, you know, Nashville you know, for the third time, didn't really work out for them. And then they go on the PK and they have to pull their goalie for a fourth time to make it five on five. But that's like, that's five on five because the fact that the fact that, you know, they had a guy in the box. So, but luckily, Andres Fetchikov gets the second of the game, empty netter. And, you know, at the 1918 mark, which basically, thankfully, thankfully iced this game for the Hurricanes because they, in the worst way possible, needed that win. And the fact that they iced it was just, it, it felt nice for the fact that you saw the Hurricanes win a game. It, they, they've had a tough, you know, couple weeks, you know, a couple heartbreakers there, here and there. And it's just they needed a win and they got one. But that was. <laughs> It definitely made your heart beat a little fast for the fact that, like, the fact that Carolina was up 4-1. Nashville comes back, makes it a 4-3 game. And now they're going with another, you know, they had to, you know, bring another guy on the ice to go 5-on-5 five five while on the PK. So you're kind of, like, wondering, okay, are the Hurricanes going to be okay still? Because that's still kind of, like, a tricky situation because the fact that Empty netters, especially against Florida, where where Carolina had the, had the opportunity to ice that game, and didn't do it, and the extra attacker bites them, and then you saw the Nashville do it twice in this game. 
it really made you worried. And I think that's something that I know Rod's probably going to take care of at some point soon. Cause I know they're practicing today because, uh, cause I'm recording on Saturday, you know, morning after like around noonish. I know Walt Ruff said that the hurricanes were practicing today. Then they're going to fly out to Pittsburgh for their back to back tomorrow against Pittsburgh. And then Monday against the flyers, which I'll get to here in a little bit when we start previewing those games, but they were pra- practicing today before they fly out today at three in the afternoon to play those teams. So you would think hopefully today at practice that Rod would probably get to those guys. But, okay. We need to really work on not giving up so many six on five opportunities. So I'm hoping that's what it's going to be like, but that's something that's kind of makes you a little worried for the fact that that was three extra man goals in two games and two in the same one. So hopefully, like I said, hopefully it's something that gets addressed, you know, as, you know, as time goes on. Uh, Points-wise, uh, Vincent Trocek did get an assist. Uh, Sebastian Ajo with two assists in that game. And Trocek and Ajo, 71 and 65% on the faceoffs, which you love to see. Uh, Jordan Stahl did get back up to 50%, so that's what you like to see as well. Andrei Svechikov, two goals, one assist for three points on the night. You love to see it. Uh, Jesper Kukaniemi, one point because of his goal. Tevo Teravainen, one assist for one point. Marty Nietzsche, two assists for two points. Love, love, love to see it from Marty Nietzsche. Jacob Slavin with a goal and assist and Brady Shea with a goal and assist. So don't tell me that there is no depth scoring because we did it with defensemen who are not known for scoring and we had a fourth line guy score a goal. Uh, Freddie Anderson, 28 of 31 again. Uh, once again, a nine, it's a 0. 0.903 save percentage. Bid did get the win today. So, which is... Amazing, amazing to see. Stop all five shots they saw on the power play. And like I said, the penalty kill. Amazing job by those guys. Amazing job by those guys for the fact that they are now eight for eight in the last two games. So moving on to previewing the next two games, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes do have the Pittsburgh Penguins tomorrow afternoon on NHL Network. And 99.9 the fan. Uh, so for those who do have Angel Network, the Hurricanes play the Penguins tomorrow at one in the afternoon, which is weird to think that you know the Hurricanes, you know, play them at one in the afternoon. But okay, is what it is, I guess. But uh, so so far this year, this is actually their first time playing the Penguins this year. We're in. February, and this is the first time the Hurricanes play the Penguins. Um, their next game against them will be on March 4th in Carolina, and then March 13th will be away in Pittsburgh. So we got two on the road in Pittsburgh, and then Pittsburgh comes to Carolina on March 1st. But for tomorrow's game, like I said, 1 p.m. on AHL Network, the Hurricanes right now sit at 33-11-4. The Pittsburgh Penguins sit at 31 31- 12 and 8. So when you hear this podcast, it'll be out tomorrow. Um, so we're recording on Saturday. It'll be out tomorrow morning before the game. So if you get a chance, make sure to uh, check this out before the game actually starts. If you are listening to it, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, so Carolina 33, 11 and 4. Pittsburgh 31, 12 and 8. In the last 10 games, Carolina is 6, 2 and 2. 
Pittsburgh is five, two, and three. I'm looking at the team stats real quick. Carolina, 24.8% on the power play. Pittsburgh is 21.4%, which in terms of ranks in the NHL, Carolina is seventh and Pittsburgh is 12th. Penalty kill, 88.9 for the Hurricanes, 87.1 for Pittsburgh. That is the first and second best penalty kill units in the league. So basically it's going to be interesting to see whose penalty kill steps up the most for tomorrow's game. If there is, there's probably going to be penalties, but I'm curious to see which penalty kill keeps up their pace of being at 89 and 87% respectively. Faceoff percentage, Hurricanes 53.6, Pittsburgh 50.6, which Carolina puts them at fourth, Pittsburgh 13th. Uh, games four per game, Carolina is at 3.48, Pittsburgh is at 3.29, which would be fifth for Carolina and ninth for the Penguins league-wide. Goals against, Carolina is 2.40 and Pittsburgh is 2.57, which amazingly, <laughs> no surprise to anyone, that is second in the league for Carolina, fourth in the league for Pittsburgh. So you're talking really good sound defenses with really high-octane offenses and really shut down penalty kill units. So this could be a game when you're talking 2-1, like a 2-1, 3-2 type of game. Maybe one nothing could be the do could be the factor. It is going to be interesting to see who does what because that is going to be interesting for the fact of how shut down these teams are. For the fact that they're both top five again in the league for goals against, and also top ten for goals for, and also top three in the penalty kill unit. That is going to be an interesting thing to watch. Now looking at the Metropolitan Division standings, Carolina and Pittsburgh both have played. Uh, they both have 70 points on the season, but Carolina has played 48. Pittsburgh has played 51, so Carolina does have that three games in hand advantage on the Penguins. So they are, like I said, they are tied, but Carolina does have the games in hand on the Penguins. Uh, just check out the rest of the division standings real quick. The Rangers, 67%, uh, 67 points in 49 games. Washington, 65 points with 52 games played. And then Columbus at 49 points, Islanders at 42, Philadelphia at 39, and the New Jersey Devils at 39. And the Islanders still have only played 44 games this year, so they have a lot of games to make up. Uh, they have a lot of games in hand on the rest of the division. But Washington has played 52, Pittsburgh's played 51, and New Jersey's played 50. So it's going to be interesting to see how those teams react to their games to the fact that they are kind of already ahead of pretty much everyone else. Um, like I said, Carolina does have one game in hit on the Rangers, but they do have three points. So basically, it's really going to matter to Carolina they keep winning because they really need to keep the Rangers at bay for the fact that there's three points between the two teams. But goal, is a, but goal different um, games in hand, it's definitely going to play big factors for the Hurricanes. Looking at players to watch uh, from the last five games, Andrei Svechikov, nine points. Uh, also with six goals for Andre as well, and Timo Teravina with five assists, and Tony D'Angelo with a plus five for the Hurricanes. So Andre's nine points, six goals, Teravina five assists, and Tony D'Angelo with a plus five for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're looking at Sidney Crosby. Six points in the last five games for him. Uh, Brandon Rust, three goals, Sidney Crosby with four assists, 
And the plus minus goes to Dan Heinen with a plus three. Sidney Crosby is always someone you need to watch out for, and especially Evgeny Malkin as well. Jay Gensel, uh, for the most part, I would say you know Jeff Carter's been on it. He just got extended. Um, I would even say Tristan Jari is going to be some, you know, someone to watch too, especially if Pittsburgh does play him because when, when it comes to the goaltender comparisons, Freddie Anderson, 26-7-2. I'm curious to see if Carolina is going to give him the start tomorrow or give it to Antiranta. But Anderson does have a 2.10 goals against average and .927 save percentage and two shutouts on the season and those two shutouts come against the Boston Bruins. Uh, Anti Ranta, 6-3-1 with a 239 the goals against with a 909 save percentage and one shutout. Uh, Tristan Jari for the Penguins is 25-9-6 with a 2.25 goals against and a .923 save percentage and three shutouts in the season. And then Casey DeSmith, 5-3-2, 3-11 goals against average, a .897 save percentage and two shutouts. I'm guessing most likely because the fact that Carolina's on a back-to-back, I'm thinking they're probably going to play Freddie Anderson tomorrow afternoon against Pittsburgh, and they might throw an anti-ranta against the Flyers on Monday. Now, Rod could make a, could make a case where, you know, given, you know, Freddie Anderson some rest and play ranta tomorrow, and then play Freddie Anderson on the second day against the Flyers. It, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that, but I'm, I'm probably going to be under the assumption it's probably going to be Frederick Anderson tomorrow afternoon with Antiranta playing on Monday against the Flyers. So look, definitely looking forward to that one. Like I said, 1 p.m., they're going to be on NHL Network and on 99.9, the fan. Uh, looking at the Flyers game, we're about two days out, so things are going to be probably different by the time you get to that. Records could be different, points and all other stuff, stats-wise, are going to be different. But just looking at the Flyers, uh, just for them right now, the Flyers are 15, 25, and 9 uh, for in terms of the last five games for them. Uh, late, uh, Lawton, he's got six points and also three goals. And Travis connecting with four assists and Travis Sandheim with a plus four. Carter Hart on the year, 9, 16, and 6 with a 296 goals against, 910 save percentage, and one shutout. And then Martin Jones, 6, 9, and 2, a 3, 5, 8 goals against, and a point eight nine eight save percentage so it's not really it's not so much on carter hart it's the fact that he does have a sub three goals against he does a save percentage of nine ten but just for the fact that if you look at the stats what stats for the flyers you can kind of see why carter hart's record is so bad it's not where you can't really put any onus on him for the most part um because you know the Flyers are 14.7 on the power play. That's 30th in the league. 70, 76% on the penalty kill. That's 24th. They are fifth in the faceoff percentage, 53.2. But goals for 2.55, which is 28th. And then goals against 3.43, which is 25th in the league. Um, so previous matchups this year for these two teams, you do have um, the Flyers did beat Carolina, though, 2-1. On the 12th, uh, back in Carolina. Then Carolina goes to Philadelphia on the 26th and then does beat them 6-3. to three. And this is actually the last matchup between the, these two teams on Monday. Oh, sorry. They have one more matchup on March the 12th. So this is the third game and then the fourth game is going to be on the 12th. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner at 3 p.m. as well on uh, which is interesting for the fact that you have a 3 p.m. game on monday which because in fact no it's a holiday but then you have a th- then you have another 3 p.m. game back in march so definitely interesting to th- thing to see but it's definitely interesting when you when it comes down to playing the flyers for a fourth time so like I said, it's going to be an interesting two days. Carolina is going to be in Pennsylvania for the next two days, playing Pittsburgh tomorrow and then Philadelphia on Monday. So now let's move on to some fan questions. Uh, thank you to everyone who sent their questions in. I uh, only got a couple, but like I said, thank you so much to those who did send your questions in. Uh, Enric underscore K8 on Twitter. Big fan, big uh, friend of the show. Thank you so much for sending your question. Can we see Kakanami on the third line already? Now, <laughs> I get what you're saying. A lot of people have been saying it. And it's because they're like, well, why do you have a $6.1 million player on the fourth line? And I've said it. Brad Moore said it when he was on the show and everyone else I talked to. It's just the way that this team is set up. Kakanami right now with how this team is structured is kind of a fourth line center guy because Vincent Trocek isn't a fourth line center. Jordan Stahl isn't a fourth line center. Yeah, you could throw Cockney on the wing, but then like who do you really put in the middle? Because Nino Niederreiter isn't a center. Stevie Lawrence isn't really a center, and neither is Jordan Martinuk or Nietzsche Faust or you know Seth Jarvis. It, unfortunately, it's just how this team is set up. Cockney, they really like Cockney at center, and with how Vincent Trocheck is and how Jordan Stahl is. That's just unfortunately where Kakaniemi is set right now for the Hurricanes, that he is that fourth-line center. And I, I can kind of see where people want him to move up into the third-line role, but it's like you can't really move, you can't move Jordan Stahl back. And like I said, and there's no really anyone else on that third line that you can move back and place him in that four-center role. So I get what everyone is saying, but until – there's more of a roster shakeup where there is a spot that move Kakaniemi up. Most likely, that's going to be his spot for the for the time being. And like I said, this isn't a team where it's like, oh, here's your third line and here's your fourth checking line or your fourth hitting line, and you have the third line checking line. This team from top to bottom is so stacked that it's it's just four lines coming at you. It's not here's your predetermined first, second, third, fourth, and the fourth line is the worst line. It's not that it's not that at all because of the fact of how good this team is. You just have lines. You just have guys. So it's not so much of that he's a fourth-line guy and that's just all he's good for. No, it's just the way the roster is just structured right now. That's why he's kind of in that slot as that 4C. Now, if Vincent Trocek gets moved on at the trade deadline, maybe you could see a difference where Kakanami does move up or – you know, once the you know regular season ends, and you know, I think Vincent Trocheck's a UFA, he could leave. You know, for free agency, and the Kakanyemi could slide up. And, you know, after they re-sign Kakanyemi for his deal because he is an RFA, 
and stuff like that, you know, once we you know the in the offseason. So there's a possibility of Kakanami do moving up. It's just you're probably looking at maybe at a trade line switch where he does move up, or you're looking at an offseason switch where guys don't come back and they reside Kakanami and then slide him up the roster. It's just one of those things where you don't really know what is gonna happen. It's just it's just one of those things where it's that's where we're at right now. But definitely thank you for your question. I uh, got another one from Kyle at KTMUHS underscore on Twitter. Uh, can we please get rid of Trocek? He's taking unnecessary penalties and just being a hothead. If anyone, who would you get rid of him for? Um, it's funny because I was just talking about visiting Trocek and possibly moved. And I know Brad Moore has even brought it up too about Vincent Trocek could be that possible guy that the Hurricanes do move on from because you're looking at how the team is going to be next year with contracts and how the salary cap is going to be and the fact that you've got to reside Kakanyami and a whole bunch of other guys too. And even Don Waldell said it too. Like they do want to take a rental, but they don't want to give up the farm for a rental or give up because they want picks. They don't want to just give up picks for guys and stuff like that. So it's mostly like maybe prospects or maybe having a certain guy to get rid of. And I know Brad's talked about it, and I've talked and, you know, talking to other people on Twitter and everywhere else that maybe Vincent Trocek would be that guy. And I do possibly see maybe Vincent Trocek do moving. Now, I know everyone's been talking about, you know, possibly Claude Giroux being in talks for the Hurricanes. I know Jacob Chekren's been in talks for the Hurricanes. I know John Klingberg has been in talks as well for me, it has to make a deal that makes sense to where if you're getting a guy in, who do you really get rid of? Trochik could be that guy, but if you're bringing in a defenseman, what defenseman are you going to move out? Because you already got a case where you're having Brendan Smith and Ethan Bear swapping out as the 6D man, 7th D man. If you bring in a Klingberg or a checker in, who do you move out? From those two, because you got to get rid of one of those two at that point. You got to package them in the deal, or you got to send them somewhere else to fill up or to, to get a roster spot. Because both those guys aren't two way, they don't have two way contracts. So if you bring in a defenseman, that's going to be tough because you're not swapping defensemen. You're swapping a forward for a defenseman, and your defensive lo- you're already going to have a defensive logjam just with Brendan Smith and Ethan Barrel already. Who do you move out? Do you get rid of one of those two guys, or do you get rid of someone like Ian Cole, which you don't want to because Ian Cole's really good? And, you know, you re- you still have Pesci, Slavin, Shea, and D'Angelo. Can't really give one of those. Can't give one of those two, those four guys, because that's your top four D pair right now. So you're looking at Cole, Smith, and Bear. If you're going for a defenseman, no, none of those guys are going to make sense. And I don't really see that being a case that they're going to go for a defenseman. I know a lot of people want one, but... Who do you get rid of out of that? Out of that, because yeah, you could say Brandon Smith, but Brandon Smith has been playing pretty decent. But how much are you going to get for him if you say do you do move a Trocheck to get a defenseman? Then what do you do with possibly Brandon Smith? People don't want to lose Ethan Bear, but you're still factoring in. Okay, well then you have Ethan Bear fighting for a roster spot with Ian Cole or insert defenseman that you just acquired here after giving a Vincent Trocheck for him. So 
I would say, if anything, if the Hurricanes do go for a rental player, I would maybe say Claude Giroux. It might be the guy they might go for. It just depends on what kind of the rest of that deal looks like. Because I don't think it's going to be a one-for-one swap. I do see possibly a prospect leaving, uh, maybe a draft pick coming back uh, to the Hurricanes from the Flyers. It all really depends on what. Carolina and, the, and Philadelphia can come up with because it's like you're, you're, you can't do a straight up Drew for Trocheck trade. You could, it's possible, but I don't really see that happening. I do see probably some sweeteners getting added to that added to the deal. So it all really depends on what each team sees that could work for them. So it's in terms of other players, I really don't know. I mean, the Hurricanes are pretty much linked to anyone, and the Hurricanes aren't really one of those teams that's going to be like, oh yeah, we want this guy, this guy. Like they're not going to say what guys they want. They're interested in taking calls for guys, but they're not they're not in a position where they're gonna have to pursue players. And I talked about this with Brad Moore back on the first episode. The Hurricanes of the first time aren't a team that's having to, oh, we need to bolster this team. We need help to take that next step. Like they did back in 06 when they got Mark Recky and Doug White. Eric Cole doesn't get hurt, but you do add a couple guys to the roster. Right now, with this roster, how it's constructed, there's really no massive question mark on this team. Like, you do have prospects in Chicago that are playing really well. You got Noahson, you know, you got Drury, you got, I mean, you got Chatfield on the defense. It's, and then you look at the goalies, you got LaFontaine, you got Alex Lyon, you know, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see what the Hurricanes do and the fact that, like I said, they're in a spot where they're not desperate to go get that next step because they're already on the best start ever for the Hurricanes in general. And the fact that it's pretty much the, the lines are so good for the fact that who do you, it's, it's, it makes people wonder who do you get rid of? And I don't see the Hurricanes I see them being buyers, but it's more of like teams are going to come to them. Be like, hey, who can we get for this guy? Like, we're giving you this player. What works best for you? And the Hurricanes are like, well, we want, th- well, we'll give you this, this, and this for him. Take it or leave it because we don't really need him. But if you're going to give us him, okay, we'll take him. But it's going to be on our terms. And that's where I do see Carolina being at with that. So, I would love to see Giroux. I would love to see, you know, depending on who else the Hurricanes go after. But I, it's, it's a tough spot. It's a tough spot for what you do with with a, with a roster that's kind of already set for the most part. And you're already having ice time issues with, you know, Bear and Smith. Or you're looking at the Forge, you're looking at, you know, Martinuk and you know Derek Stepon. You know, if certain guys are out, like you know, Seth Jarvis, you know, gets is out or Vincent Trocheck's out or stuff like that, it's 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 a tough thing to look at because if you're taking a guy out of the roster, you can easily just bring up a prospect who played really well because that's what they that's what the Hurricanes did when they had a bunch of guys out. They brought guys from Chicago and they played really well with this roster. 
it's definitely going to be interesting to see what the Hurricanes do when it comes to the trade deadline. I do see where people – Shorchuk does take dumb penalties. I can see that. But also, he's that guy that is not afraid to stand up for his teammates and do and get into the dirty areas and play his game. And that's what you know, that's what the Hurricanes you know got for him in that trade with Florida. So I don't necessarily want to see Trochek go, but I could see where he could possibly be that guy that you could see in a trade to bolster a spot that maybe we do need help on. Defense, sure, but like I said, now you gotta deal with, you know, certain guys who you who else do you move on for from the defense, you know, to open up that spot for a guy they do require if they do acquire one in the they do trade Trochek away for a defenseman. So it all really depends. It depends on what that happens with the Hurricanes. I don't envy Don Waddell at all. It's he. It's why he does what he does. He knows how to get. He knows how to pick this team. He knows how to get the guys that fit the system that Rod has and works with the coaches. And I have faith that Don's gonna make the right moves for this team. I could. I could possibly see where the Hurricanes don't make a move at all and just be like, "Hey, we're gonna roll with this team because you know they're thirty. You know they've." They only have 11 losses in, on the season, and they're tops in the, in the Metropolitan Division with seven points already. So I, I can see that happening where they don't even make a move. But it all really depends. It's curious to see what's going to happen. But overall, I'm excited for what's going to happen with when it comes to the trade deadline because, like, do the Hurricanes make moves or do they just stay still? And if they do make moves, who do they get rid of and who are we going to be seeing in a Hurricane sweater for maybe a rental or maybe a couple years down the road? Because even Don Dell says – not all rentals usually work for teams and he doesn't want to you know, blow up the farm for rentals. So it's curious to see what's going to happen, but thank you to everyone who did send in your questions. That was, it's always awesome to answer some of your fan questions. So every week when I do send that tweet out on Twitter uh, for fan questions, please, please, please send those in. I'm always loving answering some fan questions for you guys, but that will wrap up this week's show. Um, I hope everyone's enjoyed this episode of me just basically just rambling on by myself, which is interesting for the <laughs> for the most part. I'm usually I'm so used to having a guest on the show. So like with this one and past shows that I've been on, it's always interesting to have a guest, someone to talk to back and forth. So you get to basically listen to me to just basically rant and rave on and everything else for an hour. So hopefully everyone enjoys this guest-free episode. Um, like I said. Thank you everyone for the fan questions. And until next time, I will see you guys here at the search cast. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.